You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hi, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us. Just when you think it couldn't get any worse in terms of the targeting against President Trump, it escalated this week. I'll talk about that. Plus some new uh, developments in our lawsuit for those page-struck text messages. You remember those anti-Trumper FBI officials and their text messages. We've got some interesting news there. And, of course, we have uh, the memorial holiday coming up where we observe uh, the fallen, uh, the holiday in honor of those fallen heroes. And I'll talk about that a little bit as well. First up, though, just when you think it couldn't get any worse in terms of outrageous abuses directed at President Trump and then candidate Trump, by the Obama State, uh, well, I guess the State Department was involved too, but by the Obama administration and the deep state today, uh, we find out and get further details on the spy that was directed at the Trump campaign and President Trump, or then candidate Trump, by the Obama FBI, Justice Department, CIA, and who knows what else. So all of that escalated this week in terms of controversy and debate. It was first disclosed last week in leaks to uh, the Washington Post and the New York Times uh, uh, where you had deep staters trying to spin the efforts by the FBI and Justice Department and CIA to infiltrate the Trump campaign as just normal, when in fact it obviously wasn't normal. And what's going on now is the Justice Department and FBI are in a uh, pitched battle with the oversight uh, committees in Congress over documents about this spy. Now, the spy supposedly is Stephen Halper. Now, our friends over at the Daily Caller News Foundation first reported Halper's name, I think, back in March as someone who was oddly trying to connect with George Papadopoulos, that uh, Trump advisor who had been targeted, I think, pled guilty to lying by the Mueller team. Now, Papadopoulos was actually paid by Stephen Halper uh, to produce some, uh, a, a piece of writing or a, a report of some kind. I think it was $3,000, which in typical uh, spy craft uh, is uh, something that happens all the time, where you pay someone money in order to create and cement a relationship. And sure enough, Stephen Halper is reported to have met with Carter Page, George Papadopoulos, and I think Sam Clovis. Uh, Sam Clovis was a senior Trump guy. He's not in the administration now, uh, but he was influential within the Trump campaign. Now, what was the pretext for doing so? Those are the questions that are outstanding. Who was behind this spy operation? Those are the questions that are outstanding. Now, I've been calling it Spygate. President Trump's been calling it Spygate. And outrageously, the liberal media uh, are pretending that this spy wasn't a spy. They're calling him an informant. They're calling him a, a counter intel, a human confidential informant, things like that, that don't make any sense. This person was not someone who was on the campaign, who was providing information to Trump, uh, to the FBI, uh, which is what maybe a typical informant might be. This is someone who evidently was designated and sent out by the FBI to go after the Trump people and gain information. The very definition of spying. And the reaction of the Obama gang to this is really interesting. 
because what they've done this week is they've confirmed generally that this took place, but they said it was all by the rules and by the book, which is exactly the uh, same type of language that Susan Rice used to describe President Obama's Oval Office meeting back in January of 2017, where they discussed the dossier and uh, going out and confronting Trump with the dossier, I don't know, to intimidate him or to, uh, uh, I think, to extort him into keeping Comey on as FBI director. That's how I interpreted it. Uh, and uh, in order to protect also the deep state uh, in terms of preventing Trump from doing anything significant because it would be, uh, the threat would be that maybe this stuff will leak. Uh, that's how I interpreted all that. And, of course, President Obama was involved in that Oval Office meeting. And uh, Susan Rice, after the fact, weeks afterwards, wrote that Obama's orders were to do everything by the book. You know what? Just when you do something wrong and then you say later, do it by the book and follow all the rules in doing something wrong, it doesn't justify the original activity. And there is no reasonable way that the United States government could have conducted a counterintelligence investigation or spy operation against a presidential campaign based on the publicly available evidence we have, which is zilch. There was no information warning, warranting this type of uh, effort to plant a spy on the Trump team. And we're assuming we know everything, that there was only one guy they were using to try to infiltrate the Trump campaign. And it looks like <coughs> Mr. Mueller benefited, <coughs> excuse me, benefited from the spy operation because the reports are he communicated with the Mueller team after Mueller came on board, which tells you why the Justice Department and the FBI don't want to provide documents to Devin Nunes and Trey Gowdy and the uh, folks in the Senate about what was going on, because I think they recognize the Mueller operation. Uh, its credibility can't take more hits. And what happened this week is interesting because the president directed the Justice Department and the FBI, you need to start ponying up records to Congress. And they're stringing along the president, they're stringing along Congress. And how you know that happened? Because they, quote, had a meeting about it this week with uh, the congressional leaders in the Republican side who wanted information uh, and then there was a second meeting that involved the so-called Gang of Eight, which includes the leadership of Congress on the Democrat and Republican side and the leadership of the intelligence committees on the Senate and House side as well. Uh, my guess is no documents were turned over. Indeed, that's what the reporting is. My guess is the, the meeting consisted of uh, the FBI and DOJ. Supposedly Rosenstein was there. Uh, Mr. Ray, the director, was there, and uh, Senator Coates, who runs the, who's the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, was there. My guess is they told them they did everything by the book. We need to see the documents on Spygate. The president needs to step in and order the Justice Department to declassify and release publicly these records. They're stonewalling Congress. They're stonewalling Judicial Watch. And it's all about protecting themselves from potential criminal and civil liability. You have Clapper out there saying, uh, the former uh, Office of Director of National Intelligence, uh, head under President Obama, 
saying he thought it was a good thing that there were spying going on in the Trump campaign. And then he said, well, no, they weren't really spies. And then he said, well, well, no, they were just spying on the Russians. No, they were spying on the Trump campaign. Then you had James Comey, who's an anti-Trumper, issue a statement through Twitter. Facts matter. The FBI's use of confidential human sources, the actual term, is tightly regulated and essential to protecting the country. Attacks on the FBI and lying about its work will do lasting damage to our country. How will Republicans explain this to their grandchildren? Well, my guess is honest Americans will explain to their grandchildren that people like James Comey, when called out on misconduct, attacked those who were calling him out on misconduct. And when you have uh, government officials like James Comey say that it's not a spy, that it's a human confidential source, without explaining exactly why they thought they had the right to go into the Trump campaign the way they did. And remember, this is only one aspect of what was going on. They were unmasking individuals by using foreign intelligence surveillance. Uh, they were taking up the phone records of the Trump campaign through uh, national security letters. So they got the phone records of the Trump campaign as well all based on the specious allegations that there were perhaps advisors on the Trump team who may have had connections to the Russians. And it bears repeating, by that standard, the Clinton campaign probably should have had an FBI squad ensconced in their campaign headquarters, given all the connections the Clinton gang had to the Russians. The campaign chair, John Podesta, was a business partner through a company in Massachusetts with the Russians. Hillary herself was receiving money personally while Secretary of State through her husband's speaking fees from Russia fund companies. And the FBI and the DOJ all knew that the Russians were sending tens of millions of dollars into the Clinton Foundation and other Clinton-connected entities, all in an effort to influence Hillary Clinton's decision-making on the Uranium One matter. Yet they chose to spy on Donald Trump because Carter Page, who was an informant for the FBI, how will I know that? Because he's been saying it publicly. He would brief the FBI on his trips to Russia. They knew what he was about. This was, this was pretextual, excuse-making, to generate this operation, this counterintelligence operation which again was handed off directly to Mueller. So what Mueller's doing now is he's pursuing the counterintelligence investigation that included illegal spying, wiretapping, the FISA court abuse, the Clinton DNC dossier, unmaskings, we don't know, other FISA court applications and FISA warrants, we don't know, these national security letters. And on top of that, Mueller's done all sorts of other abuses with the raids in the lawyer's offices, the raid on Manafort's home, it's taking emails he didn't have the right to from the Trump transition. So what to do? The president needs to tell the Justice Department and the FBI to declassify everything. And if Mueller's getting in the way, his fraud investigation, meaning he's not investigating fraud, meaning the basis of it is based on a fraud, 
is getting in the way of disclosure about this major scandal that has few comparisons in American history, if, an, if any at all, shut the Mueller operation down. This is what I would do. I'd shut the Mueller operation down. If there are ongoing investigations, U.S. attorneys in the jurisdictions that have the investigations or criminal cases going, they can take them up. If they're in court already, the Justice Department should tell the courts, we're putting everything on hold while we figure out these abuses that went on. In the meantime, the president should begin the pardon process, take pardon applications, or maybe just exercise the pardon power on his own, start pardoning those who were targeted by the Mueller team and this so-called counterintelligence investigation instituted by James Comey, who, quite, uh, who apparently hated Trump's guts. Lisa Page, Peter Strzok, anti-Trumpers. Peter Strzok, number two official counterintelligence operations in the FBI. Andrew McCabe, his wife tied to Hillary Clinton's buddies through cash for her, his wife's campaign. I got my phone ringing here. So this is, the, this is the crisis we face. Shut it all down. Now, we've got to go back to the beginning here in terms of, uh, as I said, shutting the Mueller operation down, uh, getting control back of the Justice Department and the FBI, stopping these abuses, transparency to Congress and the American people. Now, what's happening? The Justice Department and the FBI are still fighting the Congress on this, <clears throat> attacking Congress on this. <clears throat> the Peter Page, excuse me, Peter struck Lisa Page text message battle. We've sued in federal court for those records. And as I told you last week, <clears throat> there are 13,000 pages of uh, text messages emails and attachments that the FBI has found in response to our request. And the court, uh, they're turning them over at the rate of 500 pages a month. That doesn't mean they're turning them all over, it means they're reading them at the rate of 500 pages a month, processing them, and who knows what next, because we may not get everything because they withhold material improperly and for sometimes good reason. At that rate, it will take two years to get us all the records. And unfortunately, the court endorsed this production schedule but on the, other hand, on the other hand, the court said you've got to start complying and start turning the records over to Judicial Watch. So Judicial Watch, through a court process, is going to get these text messages, is going to get these emails between Page and Strzok. And we know they've been withholding this material improperly from Congress because Congress has been looking at the text messages it's gotten, seeing these redactions were... Uh, for no good reason. In fact, uh, Chuck Grassley pointed out that there was a $70,000 conference table that was referenced in a text message uh, that had been bought by Andrew McCabe, the number two, then number two official at the FBI. And that was redacted. For what reason? To prevent embarrassment, obviously, to McCabe and the FBI for this abuse. So um, this is why it's important to be in court, because redactions like that have to be justified in a court process as opposed to this political process that is now being uh, uh, 
that is now governing the relationship between Congress and the Justice Department and the FBI. There's another text message that says the White House was running the operation. Let me look at the language here. Yeah, the White House is running this. The White House is running this. So these text messages, remember, they reference the insurance policy. They reference uh, the White House running this. They reference all sorts of things related to the handling of the Clinton email investigation, which was a sham investigation, and the uh, improper investigation targeting Donald Trump. So we've got this court process going. It's not as fast as we want. President Trump should intervene, in my view, and the leadership of DOJ and FBI should intervene to get these records out more quickly. Congress has got to stop yelling and complaining and doing things more substantial to ensure that these documents are released timely to them as well. But Judicial Watch is in court, which is much better than what Congress is doing right now. So on top of that, uh, as I said, we've got this lawsuit. And these text messages also suggest that Lisa Page and Peter Strzok talked about doing uh, government business offline and on their personal devices. So this F- we asked the FBI, what are you doing to make sure that government records on these personal devices are being searched for and preserved and maintained? And the FBI, this is positive, said they're going to send letters to Page and Strzok telling them they need to preserve these records which is positive because I tell you, they've been fighting us tooth and nail on this. So this little glimmer of help, of hope and accountability, and it helps to have a case in court because if they're not going to preserve the records, because this is what happened during the Clinton email investigation, the court could order them to take steps to preserve the records. So the FBI knew it was coming down the pike and we're glad they didn't waste the court's time by fighting us But these are the battles. It's, 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 it's a pitch battle. Every inch of ground we have, to, we have to battle over. I joke, you know, you have to sue to get the time of day from these agencies. So we've got this massive Spygate investigation, or what ought to be a massive Spygate investigation, a cover-up related to it, admissions by top Obama officials that there was spying going on, The media is trying to pretend it wasn't spying and arguing with President Trump about what the meaning of spy is in true Clintonian fashion. You've got Congress and the Justice Department and the FBI who are rogue agencies and out of control fighting over documents about this scandal. And you've got the Mueller operation largely being ignored even though it's in the center of this. So Judicial Watch has 30-plus lawsuits on issues related to the deep state. 30-plus. Peter Page, I mean, uh, Lisa Page, Peter Strzok uh, text messages. Records about the Flynn investigation. Another abuse of power. Records about the FISA warrants. Records about the Clinton DNC dossier. All of that. So, uh... Judicial Watch is in court on this in a way that no one else is. So we're proud to do the work. And of course, our pressure is leading to disclosures, both to Congress and to us separately.
but the fighting uh, is not something we expected to be engaged in as vociferously as the, we are, given the supposed new leadership at the Justice Department during the Trump administration. And I think President Trump needs to take some strong steps here. So, you know, um, and why is it we fight? It's the least we could do. We've got these issues where our constitutional republic is being subjected to attack. We have these, uh, 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 the, the whole swamp deep state contempt for the rule of law and the U.S. Constitution. And on Memorial Day, we honor those who gave their lives to defend our, our freedoms, our liberties, and our Constitution. The least Judicial Watch can do, and the least that Americans can do, is use the rights that they fought to preserve and protect to hold our government to account to ensure our country continues as a free one. And I've always loved Memorial Day, personally, because the Memorial Day is obviously celebrated on, on, on the last Monday, I guess, of May, but May 30th is my birthday, which is the official Memorial Day. So uh, it's always been a, a nice uh, a day for me personally, uh, but uh, it's one of my favorite holidays to a degree it can be called a holiday uh, because it gives honor uh, to those who fought for ours. You know, people say that, you know, boy, Judicial Watch, you're heroes and, you, you know, you're so brave and such. Look, the heroes are those buried across the way back in Arlington Cemetery and in cemeteries across this great nation. And, uh, you know, I, I was preparing for a, a talk a few years ago or last year, and I ran across a speech by Ronald Reagan. Uh, and he gave it at Veterans Day, but it has a Memorial Day connotations. And he gave it in, uh, in over in Arlington on uh, November 11th, 1985. And I'll read to you, to, uh, I'm going to read it in part to you because I think it's important and I think you'll appreciate <coughs> the thought in light, his thoughts in light of today's battles. The living have a responsibility to remember the conditions that led to the wars in which our heroes died. Perhaps we can start by remembering this, that all of those who died for us and our country were, in one way or another, victims of a peace process that failed, victims of a decision to forget certain things, to forget, for instance, that the surest way to keep a peace going is to stay strong. Weakness, after all, is a temptation. It tempts the pugnacious to assert themselves. But strength is a declaration that cannot be misunderstood. Strength is a condition that declares actions have consequences. Strength is a prudent warning to the belligerent that aggression need not go unanswered. Peace fails when we forget where we st what we stand for. It fails when we forget that our republic is based on for firm principles, principles that have real meaning, that with them we are the last best hope of man on earth. Without them we are little more than the crust of a continent. Peace also fails when we forget to bring to the bargaining table God's first intellectual gift to man, common sense. Peace also fails when we forget a realistic knowledge of human beings, excuse me, Peace also fails when we forget to bring to the bargaining tables God's first intellectual gift to man, common sense. Common sense gives us a realistic knowledge of human beings and how they think, how they live in the world, what motivates them. 
Common sense tells us what that man has magic in him, but also clay. Common sense also can tell the difference between right and wrong. Common sense forgives error, but it also recognizes it to be error first. We endanger the peace and confuse all issues when we obscure the truth, when we refuse to name and act for what it is, when we refuse to seek the obvious, to see the obvious and seek safety in the Almighty. Peace is only maintained in one by those who have clear eyes and brave minds. So, there's a lot there, and I'll leave it to you to figure out how that applies to, from our perspective, Judicial Watch's work, but to the work we all have as citizens to ensure uh, the future of our great nation. So with that, uh, I hope you have a wonderful and safe Memorial Day, and I'll see you next year, next week here with uh, Judicial Watch's update. Thank you very much. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.